morning, everyone. Oh, nice to see you all. Lovely summer. Do you have enough summer, really? I'll be over next week. <laughs> the rains will come. Okay, so we're continuing with our series on Moses, our new-ish series. So we're going to do a quick little recap and summary of the last couple of weeks, and then we're going to launch into today. So we're going to have a little look at Moses today, round two with Pharaoh. So the first week, Sarah explained about Moses' traumatic early years and what that must have been like for his family, especially his mum. And the real champions in that story, part of the story, were the midwives who kind of saved all those little baby boys. Then Adam talked about Moses' flight from Egypt to Midian, where he had an encounter with God, hearing God's voice through the burning bush and the call upon his life to go to, back to Egypt to free the people, the Hebrew nation, from the tyranny of Pharaoh. And then last week, Julian talked about Moses and Aaron meeting Pharaoh round one and how that kind of rejection increased the Hebrews' workload and how they fell into discouragement and despondency and despair and how Moses had to really teach them to prevail. So my takeaways so far have been God raises and trains us up for a purpose. Even the knocks can serve a purpose. Don't stay in discouragement and know that God is with us even in our weaknesses. So today we're looking at Moses, round two with Pharaoh, and we're looking at the first nine plagues of Egypt, okay? So this is found in Exodus chapter 7, verses 14, all the way through to verse uh, chapter 10, verse 29. So we're not going to read lots of text this morning because I know everyone's really tired after the last weekend if you've been here and serving. And well done, everyone. It's been fantastic. And so we're going to test your Bible knowledge now. And in order, I'm going to ask you to shout out or raise your hand the first nine plagues of Egypt, starting with number one. What was the first one? Shout it out. I'm a bit deaf in this year. Blood, that's right, the river Nile turns to blood, which is very difficult when the civilization and the sort of empire and the place depended upon the Nile for its resources and sources of life. Life was lived a lot of the time along those rivers, and obviously if it had turned to blood and everything in it had died, that was not very good. Okay, number two, what was the next one? I love frogs. Do you love frogs? You're talking about frogs this morning. <laughs> but I don't think I'd like them jumping out of my cupboards and my wardrobes. Okay? So what was the next one? Gnats. Oh, great. The midges are out in full force in this lovely um, sunny weather, but not quite a plague. And the next one? Oh, slowing down a bit now. Shout it out. Flies, well done. Okay, I'm going to pause there so you can think about the next few, and I'm going to give you a funny story. Apologies if you've heard this before. A couple of years ago, Naomi and I, along with my sister and little nephew, went on a glamping holiday to Ross on Wye, and it was all advertised as this lovely retreat and really relaxing, beautiful cabins. They were all like converted vintage caravans, and we were sleeping in a vintage train carriage. I think its name was Bertie or something. And so we were sleeping there for a couple of nights and it was really nice. So we get there, the sun is shining, the weather's like it is now. 
We have a lovely time. The lady who owns the campsite brings us warm scones with fresh jam and cream. We have lovely crisp cotton on the beds. We have a little camping stove in the corner. It's all very idyllic and lovely and relaxing. So we had a beautiful day. We sat on our little veranda outside Bertie, our vintage um, train track, train carriage, and we watched the sunset over the fields of Ross and Wye, and it was lovely. So we get to bed, no electricity, compost toilet, the only light we had was the torch on our phone and one little candle. It was like going back in time. So the middle of the night, I could hear a rustling. So I thought, oh, that's strange, what's that rustling? So it was my sister pulling back the bedsheets with a little torch on her phone because she had been woken up by something crawling across her face. So she screams. So then me and Naomi are fully awake. We're like, what's the matter, what's the matter? We thought some, something had come in. And as she pulled the bedsheets back, there in the crisp white Egyptian cotton bedding were a bunch of earwigs. And one was crawling over a little boy's forehead. She was itching all over. And as she turned the, the, the sheets back, the bed was literally crawling with earwigs. So we get up in two in the morning, we jump in the car, we couldn't find anything, so we just grabbed our keys and our phones in our pyjamas, driving around Ross on Wye, two in the morning, looking for a travel lodge and a premier inn. Oh, you love a travel lodge and a premier inn when you've experienced glamping, let me tell you. But it was the school holidays, and everything was shut, there was no room in the inn, everything was fully booked. So we decided we're not going back to Bertie. So we drove all the way back to Swansea, showered, jumped into bed, and went back up the next day to collect all our stuff, and there wasn't a earwig to be seen. Not one. So in the night, they must have been, you know, harboring and living and hibernating in the little wooden slats of this old train carriage. And then in the night, they decided to come and have a cutch with us in the bed to keep warm because they were really lonely. Okay. Not quite a plague, I know, but disgusting nevertheless. Okay, what was the next plague? So we've had the flies. Bigger ones this time, the livestock. And the next? Boils, well done. Next? Hail. And the next? Locusts. And the next? Darkness. Well done, everyone. Okay, so that's Exodus conduced in two minutes. Whee! <laughs> okay, so what was the purpose of these plagues? Okay, they were awful plagues. Awful, awful, awful. Can you imagine living in Egypt with all of this going on? Awful. So the first nine plagues demonstrate God's power versus Pharaoh's claims on power. And it, each plague was like an invitation to Pharaoh to let the Hebrew nation go. But Pharaoh refuses to acknowledge God, and continuously, it says, his heart was hardened. He really was an evil and cruel leader, and was bent on power, but he was afraid of being dethroned, and wanted to prove that he was the most important and most powerful. And as we know, the Egyptian civilization was built on the back of slaves, and that's terrible, so what a huge resource to just let walk away. And so we can see why he really was changing his mind all of the time and not willing for Moses and Aaron to take the uh, Hebrew people out of awful Egypt. But God is also a loving father. God is a loving father full of grace, mercy, kindness, but is also a God of justice. And enough was enough. He had heard the cries of his people and he was going to deliver them. And even though they had been through terrible hardship, 
under Pharaoh's rule and being very discouraged and despondent, God raised and prepared Moses for such a time as this. And even though Moses was like, please, God, send somebody else. Surely there's somebody else out there that can do this. Please send somebody else. I'm not up to the task. What really stands out here is the persistence Moses was displaying. Nine times back and forth to Pharaoh, and each time probably psyching himself up. What's Pharaoh's response going to be this time? Is he going to have me killed? Is he going to throw me into prison? What is going to be the outcome? And so we see nine times back and forth, getting stressed, anxious, worried, scared about the outcome. But he was faithful to God, and he persisted every time, even though Pharaoh kept changing his mind. And there's so much in here for us today, isn't there? So many like relatable emotions and so many sort of qualities that we see like evident in Moses' life and character that we can relate to and learn from today. So we may never need to face a dictator, okay? But we may have type of pharaohs in our lives that we need to face sometimes. Or we may find ourselves in a situation that we feel so far out of our depth that only God can come through for us. And so I loved what Julian brought last week from his talk about discouragement and about the importance and value of staying in hope, not giving up, staying the course, staying in faith, and to keep believing even in discouragement and difficult times. And that was a real timely word for many of us, wasn't it? And so following on from that today, really, is a word for us all, and that is persistence. This is what we see in Moses, was his persistence back and forth, back and forth, faithful, faithful, willing to serve God and to do what he had called him to do. And we see Moses kind of staying the course, seeing things through, not throwing in the towel, even when it got tough. And speak to any successful business person or leader. And the reason they will tell you for their success was persistence. During tough, lean, troubled, and uncertain times. I don't think anything of value grows out of ease, does it? <laughs> Often there are times where we've got to like really dig deep into God and put our faith in him. And that is when persistence is kind of needed. And any relationship that has been tested, whether that's like a marriage or a friendship, um, a sibling kind of relationship or a parent-child relationship, it's all about being persistent, isn't it? You know, I will love you when it gets tough. I will forgive you for that thing you did. I will be there. I will support you. Persistence. Now, it's not to say if there is any, if there is like a situation that we find ourselves in that becomes like a relationship that becomes like toxic or dangerous, that we just remain passive and push over. It's absolutely not. We need to get help. And if there are times where things seem dangerous or not going well and we really need support, get that support. Speak to a trusted friend or leader. Get help. See a doctor. See a therapist. Read the books. Go on the courses. Do all that we can. But at the end of the day, don't struggle and don't suffer in silence. Get help. But we're looking here at Moses and the persistence that he was showing. And sometimes our faith is tested. But I encourage you to continue to be persistent. And here we see Moses' persistence, which must have been really frustrating, but he kept going back. So, persistence is continuing a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. So, what does the Bible say about persistence? Well, in Galatians, verse 
uh, chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap the harvest if we do not give up. It means keep going forward, never stop. It's the ability to stand up and take a step forward when everybody else sits down. And so what else does persistence lead to? Some characters and qualities is like resilience, patience, that's a lovely word, endurance and stamina. And sometimes a person who develops persistence in something is also said to have grit. You know what grit is? It's like that hardcore stuff on the ground, really strong and resilient. Years ago, if somebody was like, um, you know, quite a strong person or they had to go and face something or they had to go and have a difficult conversation, people would say, oh, they'll do it, they've got grit. <laughs> They're not afraid of people. And, um, you know, these things can develop strength in us as we continue to lean into God and trust in him. So persistence, the word, comes from the Latin verb persistere. I think that's how it's spelt, which means to continue with strength, never giving up. And we are not alone. It's God's strength that is working in and through us. We just need to be like Moses, willing and able to like trust in him like Moses did. And so persistence is also closely related to other strengths like courage, all about taking action even when it's hard to do so. And I'm sure we're all relating to things as we you know, let this wash over us. Situations, job situations, family situations, relationships, you know, things that we are all kind of persisting in and we know that God is in us for a certain time and for a certain outcome, which sometimes doesn't come quickly, but sometimes stay in the course. The results are far in the future, but when we look back, we see God's faithfulness. So in Luke 18, verse 1 to 8, Jesus tells his disciples a story about persistence, about continuing to pray and not giving up. And this is the story of, of the persistent widow. So we are told this lady was having some trouble with an enemy. We don't know the details. Maybe it was difficulty with a neighbor or something like that. And she went to the judge who was like the authority in the town or the village at that time to get some help. And she kept going back and forth, back and forth to this judge and nothing was getting done and nothing was getting changed. And she was like, no, I'm going to stand for what I know is right. And I need to get a resolution on this situation. And she persisted and she persisted until the end, the judge sort of kind of like gave her the answer she needed because of her persistence. And in Romans, it talks about rejoicing and it says, be happy in your hope. Do not give up when trouble comes. Do not let anything stop you from praying. And I suppose if our life was like a car, prayer would be the steering wheel, guiding us where we need to go. And so let us continue in our lives to be consistent and persistent in prayer, not giving up after one when it doesn't get answered, but being persistent and having prayer as a lifestyle in and through us. What is the opposite of persistence? Well, the opposite of persistence is apathy, <laughs> idleness, and indifference. And I've been there sometimes, and it's not a great place to be, to be honest. And it's very easy to fall into these places when discouragement is prevalent in our lives. But don't stay there. Move out of it. As Julian said last week, be encouraged, stay in faith, stay in hope, keep praying, keep pressing into God. God promises that our labor is not in vain. 
Now, after Pharaoh continuously promises to let the Hebrew people go and then breaks those promises, <clears throat> brought even more trouble upon the land and to the Egyptian people. His hard heart and stubbornness was a real bottleneck. And so all of these plagues and, you know, the most amazing, you know, deliverance to come, which we'll read about later on in a few weeks, um, these were like incredible stories that were happening in real time for Moses and the people with all the difficulty and challenge and horribleness of it all as well. And so God tells Moses in chapter 10, verse 2, to tell the children and grandchildren about the miraculous signs and experiences so they can be retold and passed on to future generations and the descendants to come. And when you think of it, wow, these were like some stories to tell, weren't they? You know, living out of the greatest drama in history. He witnessed events from, you know, few people would ever really see. And this talks to me about, like, the importance of telling our spiritual journey and talking about our spiritual experiences when they're appropriate to our, like, children, to our Sunday school classes, to our own kids, to those around us, to encourage them and to help build faith in them. What were the turning points in our lives where God intervened? What is God doing now? Let's take our children on the journey with us because our stories can really help to build firm foundations in our children's belief in God. Our kids used to quite enjoy some of the stories we would talk about the church in the early days. And when we look back 30 years ago now, when Adam and I first came to Cornerstone at the age of like 18, um, you know, it was really hard, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, we were like students and, uh, you know, we started coming along on a Sunday and we were meeting in this rough around the edges community hall. Julian and Sarah, Badab, they had a young family. They were full out on pioneering the church with limited resources, hardly any money. They were continuously being like onslaughted by attacks of like their house being burgled, their car not being there when they take the kids to school, you know, lots of discouragement. But every week we'd come on a Sunday, Julian would preach, Julian would lead the meeting, Julian would lead the worship, and Naomi said, what oh, did Julian play guitar? <laughs> you never knew you played guitar. <laughs> but every week it was like Julian's message was like from God to us, it like dropped into our lives. It was like, that was a word for us today. The next week, that was a word for us today. The next week, that was a word, and we just knew we were being drawn to our tribe. We just knew there was 12 people in this hall, you know, it wasn't really that much going for it, like on, you know, the physical things, but the people had like a passion and a call of God upon their lives, and we just wanted a piece of that, and we wanted to kind of serve God in this place. And so 30 years on, we look back and we see persistence. Julian Asira's persistent, you know, all of you, the persistence of, you know, being able to put on a conference like yesterday, when 30 years ago there were like 12 people meeting in Julian Asira's front room, and, uh, you know, a lot of like attack about, you know, because the enemy does, the enemy kind of knows, <laughs> and uh, he doesn't want things to happen, does he? And so he will try to thwart God's plan, and so all of that discouragement at the time was like, you know, stop, stop, stop doing this, stop doing this. And do you know what? They could easily have stopped and nobody would have blamed them. I wouldn't like my house being burgled two or three times a month or my car not being there when I have to go and get the kids to school or not having any money or, you know, constant discouragement from, you know, various people, you know, pack up, just go and join another church where it's all set up. But they were, they were 
persistent and faithful to the call which they had known God had put upon their lives. And for those of us who joined in the early days, we really did see that. At the time, Adam and I were living in Clenetley, and we had to travel over the bridge to go to church. And our family would say, why are you going to church in Swansea? There's plenty of good churches in Clenetley. We know there are loads of amazing churches in Clenetley, but we just feel we're being called and drawn to Cornerstone. And so we stuck it out. And every Sunday, we used to lug these big speakers in the back of our mini metro up to the church, set it all up. Sometimes we'd walk out of the, the meeting on a Sunday morning, and the gates would have been locked by the local thugs. <laughs> they'd burn a mattress, set it on fire so we couldn't get it out. Sometimes we'd come out and we'd have our window smashed in our car. We'd have our tires deflated because, you know, some kids were out just having fun on a Sunday morning where we were all in church. And so all of these things really did build resilience. <laughs> they really kind of did. But we persevered and we persisted because we knew that there was big things to come. And when I sat here yesterday looking at um, Nicky Gumbel being interviewed with his wife Pippa by uh, Chloe and Julian, I, it was very emotional. It really was because in the early days, who'd have thought that a small group of people with a call of God upon their lives, who were just willing to do whatever because they knew God was up to something, you know, a few years later, 30 years actually, would be hosting a conference where people from leaders, you know, get drained and tired. Some need direction, some need encouragement. And the fact that you were here serving, blessing, encouraging these leaders, tired and weary, some of them, to just be able to like come to get direction, replenishment, prayer, encouragement, and teaching. And just being in the mix was just a fantastic two days. And well done, everyone, for your attitude, your good attitude, your servitude, mucking in, and for all the troubles at home where, you know, it was a warm week and everybody had to get babysitters to be here for training and practices. And well done. It's a sacrifice, but it's service. And look how the two days turned out. You invested so much into people's lives. Well done. And I'm sure Nicky Gumbel thinks that of his journey with Alpha, that probably started small with an idea and a call from God to do something. And look at that now, it's global, it's incredible. And we were fortunate enough to host these people and to host and to employ people in Alpha and to be based here. It's just, it is absolutely miraculous when you really do look back and see you know, the little seeds that were planted years ago and the fruit of that now, well done. And I was looking across today just thinking, God saw this 30 years ago. He saw all of you lovely people coming together to serve him 30 years ago. And, you know, God sees the next 30 years as well. So, as Matthew said, our lives are in God's hands. Continue to be persistent. Okay. Um, so, I want to encourage you to keep going on. Even when life throws difficulties and discouragements at us, to be like Moses, to be continuing in persistence. Let's continue even when we don't feel like it and even when it gets tough because God is with us and there is fruit to fruit in our lives. There's fruit to come, bigger fruit to come. So I just want us to just bow our heads and pray to God to thank him for all that he's done in and through you and us together and for all the other things that he's calling us to, to just have a willing heart and to put out your hands and to say, God, I'm yours Do in me whatever you want. 
Help me to have my faith and my trust in you in the difficulties and the discouragements and to continue to pray and to serve because he is your loving heavenly father and your life is in his hands. So Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word that we can glean so much encouragement from it for our lives today. I thank you that uh, Moses was persistent and I pray that some of those qualities that were evident in his life we can really kind of continue to put into practice in our own. And I pray for every person here, Lord, from the, you know, the, the littlest uh, to, to the eldest, that you would pour out a real blessing upon us in this season, where we would just know your hand, your closeness, your Holy Spirit, your blessing, your encouragement, Lord. And I pray for answered prayer, for healings to come to people who have been persistently asking and for resolution in problemed relationships to come because they've continually been asking. For provision, Lord, we continually persist and ask for all of these things as humans we need because you are our God and you care. So we pray and ask for these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.